Hi there, I'm Mark Icero, and welcome to Article Club, an experiment in community reading where we read, annotate, and discuss one great article every month on race, education, or culture. This month, we're focusing on Miranda's Rebellion by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Stephanie McCrumman. This article was published in February in the Washington Post and explores the political transformation of a white suburban woman in Georgia and her reticence to share her new beliefs with their conservative friends and family. I'm happy to say that this week I got the chance to talk to Ms. McCrumman about her article, and before we get to the interview, I just have to say again, I am so very appreciative to all the authors who have made time to talk with us. Article Club is a great community of thoughtful readers, but we're made even stronger because talented writers say yes to participating and joining in on the discussion. So thank you again, Ms. McCrumman. It was an honor to be able to speak with you. Your high standards for reporting make me very proud of the role, responsibility, and impact of high-quality journalism. And with that, let's get to the conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Well, I just want to first thank you so much. It's an honor to be able to speak with you. Thank you so much for talking to Article Clubbers. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I just, I love uh, hearing how engaged you all are and happy to be here. Well, we at Article Club, we found out about this piece, Miranda's Rebellion, in February. And right from the beginning, we loved it. And so it's just so great to be able to speak to you about just like what the story was and how you found Miranda. Can you first just talk a little bit about how the story originated? Sure. Um, so first of all, just a tiny bit about what I do. I'm a, I'm a national reporter for the Washington Post, and um, I tend to specialize in doing these long-form narratives. So we tend to be, because, because our little group, we do tend to have you know, time and space to write. We're very careful about the subjects that we choose and people that we decide to write about, just as everyone should be. I have been writing a lot about not politics per se, but more the grassroots level of politics and the ideas and people's thoughts and feelings that are shaping this moment in America. And I thought I there'd been so much talk about suburban women being key to this election. So we decided let's write about suburban women. And then we just kept narrowing it down. I said, well, I think I want to write about white suburban women. And then I thought, I think I want to write about white suburban women in the South because of all the voting blocks that are key, not just to Trump's victory, but have been key to the Republican Party. I feel like it's often just, you know, describes like the South, the solid South or white voters in the South. But I thought it might be interesting to put a narrower focus for a lot of reasons on white suburban women in the South. So that was sort of the starting point. And at first I thought, I want to write about conservative women, you know, those women being the the main force of uh, Republican Party politics in the South. And then we thought, no, let's write about someone who's sort of in, maybe someone who's in transition, someone who's maybe questioning those beliefs. And so that was the starting point. So then the question became, how do you find that person? Um, So we decided to focus in on Georgia because the stakes are so high there. It's becoming, you know, is a swing state, I think at this point. Um, And then we decided to look in the, not the Atlanta suburbs, but another suburban area, which turned out to be Augusta, you know, because the pressure that if you're a conservative woman, 
in Atlanta who's trans, you know, sort of transitioning your, you know, questioning those views, you will find a lot of community there. Um, suburban Atlanta is a very diverse place. Suburban Augusta, not so much. So we thought that that someone who is a little bit more isolated, the stakes, you know, I don't know, it just seemed like a more interesting place to set the story. So that was how we got to suburban Augusta. And then how do you find someone like that? You well, I decided to call the Democratic Party in um, suburban Augusta, thinking that, that, you know, perhaps some of these women had shown up to meetings, at, you know, just out of curiosity. And that was how I got to Liz. And then when I asked Liz, do you know any of these women? She said, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at one right now. Um, <laughs> and that was how we found Miranda. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was like a narrowing process. Yes. I just really appreciate that because it was not random. It wasn't just like Miranda no. was like some random person who like no. that's a lot of steps. And I like also that you that you found Liz first. Yes, first we found Liz. Yes. So okay, so you finally got to talk to Miranda, and yeah. we all want to know what your first impressions were. I'm sure she didn't reveal everything right in the first time that you talked to her. No, no, not at all. The first thing that happened. Um, is that I just talked to her on the phone. And at that point, you know, we didn't even know. I wasn't like, ah, I'm going to write about Miranda. I didn't know. I had to talk to her first. And also, who knows if Miranda even wants to be written about. So first, I just talked to her on the phone. And she struck me right off the bat as a very thoughtful person. She was very thoughtful. And she seemed to be kind of struggling with something. And I, I don't think we got into it too much in that first phone call. But it was enough to think, I think this woman is a very interesting person. And I think that I want to go and meet her. So I went down there. I think I made three trips down there. And, and the first, the first meeting was, was just hello and introducing myself. I mean, as a reporter, particularly with these kind of stories, I, I think that it's best to, if you have time to just meet someone first and allow them to get to know you as much as you're trying to get to know them. So that was kind of how it went. We, we talked and she had questions for me, which I think is great. And then I tried to, you know, as best as I could explain to her the kind of reporting that I do and why I thought she was interesting. And then she thought about it. She didn't just immediately agree. I mean, she was, she thought about it. And um, because part of this meeting, I, I should say, is, is explain to her why I think she's interesting, but also explain to her a little bit about the reporting that I do, because it's a bit different than people may be used to. It's, it's spending a lot of time. And, and I told her, I said, this might be a little weird because I'm going to want to hang out with you a lot. Even at times when you think that it may be boring, I, I still would like to be around you as much as possible because the more I'm around you, the more I'm going to understand your life, Mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like she, you know, she needed to understand that up front to make her decision. So that was kind of how it went. And, and I also sent her stories I had done in the past. So she knew that I wasn't sort of a gotcha reporter that I'm interested in understanding, not judging. So that was, that was kind of the conversation. Yeah. The, the trust that you build is definitely on the page and it's not just the amount of time, but it seems like you're there almost even going on these hikes with Liz and with Moran. Is that true? Like, did you? Oh yeah. Yes. I was with them. That that's part of this reporting. Every bit of dialogue in the story is a result of me in the woods with my notebook, 
you know, running along and, and taking, you know, trying to take notes as they were hiking, notes on what they were talking about, about what it looked like, everything. The preference with this kind of reporting is to, is to be in the moment. Um, and hopefully that translates into a certain kind of story where you feel like you're with the people. That's what for me personally was just so powerful. I knew and believed that you were there, which made the scenes even more powerful. Mm-hmm. And like just very emotional as well. Um, Yeah. So like, for example, like both Liz and Miranda, they are not your traditional stereotype. They're very layered, very complex, very complicated. How are you able to get to all of those layers? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was my interest. You know, my interest was to get to those layers. And my interest was to understand, you know, how Miranda got to the point that she was, where she was questioning things. I wanted to understand what that process was like for her. And then likewise, you know, without really knowing how the story was going to end up being structured or really, you know, you go into these things, you don't really know what you're going to end up with exactly. But, but anyway, but likewise, I wanted to understand Liz. I wanted to understand, you know, exactly, you know, how did, how did she get to this point? I think it's a really interesting question. How does any person become who they are? And, and when they start questioning things, how does that happen? You know, why does one person end up questioning something and someone else doesn't? And I've always found that to be a very interesting question. I'm from the South. I'm from Alabama. So, you know, so I guess to some extent I could, you know, I could relate to, to also, also to them. I, or I could, let's say I could use my own background to ask questions, you know. And so fortunately, I had two people who were willing to explain. So, you know, so that, that's, that's remarkable. It's a remarkable amount of trust that Miranda and Liz both put in me. I recognized that and I wanted to honor that by making sure that I understood them as best, as thoroughly as I could. So, you know, so it's just a matter of just continually asking if someone, you know, if Miranda said something and say, why, why do you think you said that? Or why do you think you think that? Or, you know, it was just going back and back and back. Most people are probably more complicated than they may seem. Absolutely. Do you have a theory about why the difference between Liz and Miranda? Why the difference? I mean, not really. I I think that, you know, I think they probably did a better job than I could ever do of explaining themselves. And so I think what was pretty interesting was, was the fact that, especially at this moment, they were able to have a conversation when they were kind of coming at it different from different points in their life and different points in their thinking, but they, they were able to, to communicate and they, they loved debating, you know, I mean, they, they loved having these vigorous conversations. And I think Miranda, I just think they both, I think they both really enjoyed that. And I don't know if that's human beings or women or friendships, you know, the best friendships are that way. But, but yeah, so I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't say exactly why, you know, other than, you know, what the story said about their, both of their backgrounds, you know. In the middle of the piece, it just became clear that this was not just a political transformation for both of them and specifically Moran, especially 
with her relationship with her husband, Philip as well, which at the beginning of the piece, you sort of set up. And then in the middle to the end, there's just several scenes where it just gets really, really deep. Did you feel like it was going to go there right from the beginning or did that materialize over time? I was not aware. I, I mean, at the beginning, I didn't know anything. I became aware the more time I spent that that Miranda was having a difficult, you know, that it, she and she and her husband, I guess, were a bit, you know, were at odds um, over how they saw this moment. I, I, I can't say I, you know, I knew until, you know, until, you know, until we began having all these conversations, um, exactly, exactly where it was going. I was really interested in Philip. He was a tough nut to crack in terms of being willing to, to talk. I think a lot of that is because of the moment we're in with mistrust of the media and, you know, this fear that reporters are just going to make you, they're coming in with biases and everything. And so I was, I was very interested in his point of view as well. And again, just trying to understand, trying to understand what these people were going through and so interested in how Miranda would, you know, her thoughts about it, how she was going to resolve this, you know, and, um, did I know where it was going? I didn't know where it was going. No, I didn't. I didn't know. But but that's the beauty. That's why you're a reporter. You keep excavating until you get to a point where you feel like as a reporter, I, I think I understand now. I got it. You know, because a lot of the time you're just kind of floundering around thinking, I don't, I don't know what this is amounting to or I don't quite understand yet. Well, we saw three major scenes with them. The, fir the first scene was, and you just used dialogue so brilliantly. The first scene is just like, hey, hi, hey. Mm -hmm. And like, that's mm -hmm. the first one. And then the second one is with the deer where he asked Miranda, what's the best part of a deer? Oh, yeah. And then you don't even have Miranda responding at all. You have no. all the things that are internal and there's yes. just, there's additional problems obviously with their communication. And then the last scene of the entire piece is she's not even talking to Philip anymore. Well, not, she's not talking to her yet, talking to him yet because he's, she's coming back and just says that like, I struggle with this and Philip's yeah. home. Can you talk more about like how you constructed those three scenes and then also why, especially because it seems like you went into this with a political transformation, but it just became even bigger. So the first question is a bit about writing and structuring and narrative. So, uh, so it's a bit on, you know, as a technical matter or as a, as a way that I think about structuring the story with narratives, there, there are different ways to move a story forward. And one is because there's action, you know, and something happens, this happens, that happens, the next thing happens. My stories, for whatever reason, often end up being a an interior progression, like going that, that the story is moving forward, because we're going deeper and deeper into someone's, you know, who they are. And, and the reader hopefully is, you know, the reader's understanding of someone is, is developing and, and deepening. So that's kind of how um, I thought of this story because Miranda was just such an interesting person and Liz too, they were, in their friendship. I mean, it was all, it was all such a, um, I think it was worthwhile going there. I, th I thought that people would, would, you know, it was illuminating. So, so that was kind of part of the reason why I structured the piece that way. And it seemed right at the end for Miranda to sort of be alone, if you will. I mean, obviously I was there, but 
you know, alone with her thoughts, just herself, not worrying about all these expectations that society was placing on her. So I don't know, it just felt like that just felt like where it ended. In fact, when I was in the car with Miranda that night, and that transpired, I and I don't know, this doesn't often happen happen to me with stories, but I thought, that's the end. I thought that's the ending. And I, I don't often know that, but I felt like, you know, I just knew that was, that was it. Um, and in terms of like, you know, that bit of dialogue with the, with Philip asking the question that, that question seemed to, it, it just seemed to say so much about their relationship, you know, in every kind of way, you know, so that was why I had the, I thought it was telling. And then obviously I put a lot of stuff in between the question and the answer. That's just, you know, structuring and <laughs> that's writing and reporting that's reporting yes. and writing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We just appreciated it so much. It just really hit us extremely hard. Um, yeah. And not just on the political, but definitely the emotional piece too. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't know. It's just like, so now it's two weeks before the election. You wrote this in February, thinking that mm -hmm. this could be a thing, you know, like Georgia mm -hmm. and white suburban women. And yeah. now obviously it's happening. Yeah, um, it seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, have you had any chance to speak with Miranda since or to sort of follow up with other white suburban women in the South now as more and more seemingly might be voting differently than they did? I have been in touch with Miranda. And by the way, she she and Liz ended up the response was just tremendous. And and which I shared, you know, so many readers responses with them. They ended up doing a podcast called Forest for the trees. And I think they recorded maybe 12 episodes. Or so. I don't know if they're still doing it because they're both teachers and so busy, but, but they ended up <laughs> doing that just to talk about all these issues that came up. So yeah, I haven't, I've been, you know, doing other things have been writing about specifically, you know, suburban women in the South since then, but I've, but yeah, I've been in touch with Miranda. That's great. And final question, gotta ask you, you sure. know, like I won, I won journalism awards in high school, but have never won a Pulitzer. <laughs> so I gotta ask, when you found out that you had won Pulitzer Prize for your and your colleagues reporting, do you remember how you felt in the first few minutes of it? How did you find out? How did you feel? All that kind of stuff. Sure. I was, I was at home and my editor called me and told me, like to tell you that you've won a Pulitzer Prize. And I just, you know, I, I, what can you say? It's very, very, it's thrilling. It's very humbling in a way, because, you know, I know this is going to sound corny, but I did think about, of course, Lee Korfman and these other women who decided to come forward at great risk to themselves in many ways, some security risks, some financial, economic, social, you know, risks. So, you know, so I have to say, you know, I also, I was thrilled in a way also for them and was thrilled for myself and for <laughs> my colleagues in the paper and for this kind of journalism. And, you know, so it was, it was, it was, I mean, what can I say? It was great. It was really, really great. Yes. <laughs> That's great. I just want to personally thank you and also everybody at Article Club. We just really appreciated this piece, but also like that you said yes to talking to us. You know, you have reporting and writing to do. Um, so thank you so much for making time to talk about this piece. We're really, really grateful. Thank you for having me and thank you for reading. It was really fun. Thanks a lot. 
I just want to thank Ms. McCrumman yet again for saying yes to Article Club. My favorite part of the interview is finding out that you are actually in the woods with Liz and Miranda, following them around as they built their friendship and talked about their political transformations. But given the quality of your reporting, I should have assumed that in the first place. Listeners, would you like to share your reactions to this interview? If so, please email me at mark at highlighter.cc. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you again for listening and have a great week.